Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know about another podcast you might enjoy. From Gen Z Media, the Peabody Award-winning producers behind hit podcasts like Six Minutes and The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel, comes Becoming Mother Nature. When Chloe is sent off to live with her mysterious and eccentric grandmother, she learns an unbelievable secret. Grandma Ivy is none other than Mother Nature herself. And Chloe is next in line to assume the power and responsibility of the job. Can a 12-year-old learn to balance the entire world's ecosystem while just trying to fit in at her new school? Only Mother Nature knows. You can listen to Becoming Mother Nature wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Renogy, a renewable energy company specializing in solar products. They make everything from solar flashlights to portable solar panels that you can take camping, all the way up to big installations that can power your home or RV. Renogy is on a mission to help you enjoy an active, outdoorsy lifestyle without having to worry about air pollution, noise pollution, or maintenance. For 10% off your entire order at renogy.com, enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's R-E-N-O-G-Y dot com, promo code OUTTHERE. Renogy. Big or small, solar for all. We often talk about nature as a kind of therapy. We assume that time spent outside can help us sort out the messy parts of our lives. And we talk about getting away from it all in order to reset ourselves emotionally. But is that really how it works? Do outdoor adventures change us in some fundamental way? What do we actually need in order to feel like we're in control of our own lives? On this episode, photojournalist Casey Chang takes us on a pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago and explores how we find the tools to thrive. I'll let Casey take it from here. Back in January, my oldest friend invited me to visit her in Barcelona. I saw this as a much-needed opportunity for a change in environment. My life felt like it was in limbo. My grandmother had just passed away, I was going through a breakup, waiting on graduate school decisions after leaving a difficult job, and leaving my parents' house. Things in my life were happening faster than I could process, but somehow not quickly enough. As I mulled over this potential trip to Spain, the Camino de Santiago surfaced from the depths of my mind. I'd heard of this famous pilgrimage somewhere before, how people would walk for weeks, sometimes even months, to reach the sacred city of Santiago de la Compostela. The Camino had sounded neat, but it didn't seem like something I would do, at least not anytime soon. But now, a gut feeling told me I should go. Going on the Camino would be a physical test, something I hadn't done in a while, but suddenly realized I craved. Maybe it would even help me shake off the stagnant headspace. I booked a flight to Spain that would leave in two weeks. 
Historically, pilgrims embarked on the Camino for religious purposes. That wasn't exactly my goal. I was more interested in the nature aspect. I'd grown up loving the outdoors in my beautiful corner of New Hampshire. Being outside is second nature to me. I have many happy memories of swimming in rivers, going on day hikes with family, and fishing. But this would be my first solo long-distance hike. I did some cursory research on February conditions in northern Spain. The jury was out about whether or not snow would be a problem, but I decided I'd cross that bridge when I got there. There are dozens of different Caminos. They vary in length and start from different countries, but they all end in Santiago de la Compostela, where the consecrated tomb of St. James lies. I decided on the Primitivo Trail. I figured I couldn't go wrong with the oldest route. Secretly, I hoped that the Camino would help me reset my life. I was feeling defeated, like I had lost my resilience. I was tired of feeling worn down and wanted to feel young and adventurous again. It's not what some people do, put themselves to the test in the wild and find themselves through that process. As I wrote out the breakdown of the Primitivo route in my journal, it felt good knowing that I would soon be trusting the trail. There would be no agonizing over what I had to accomplish each day. All I had to do was walk. I gave my boss, who I work remotely for, a heads up that I would be off-grid during those two weeks. And I didn't get a Spanish SIM card for my phone. It had been a long time since I had gone without staring at screens all day. In Barcelona, I spent a few comfy days sightseeing and food touring with my friend. She's someone who knows me through and through and I look up to like an older sister. We had some much-needed heart-to-heart conversations. It had been a while since I have felt so seen. All too soon, it seemed, I boarded an early morning flight to Asturias, the northwest region of Spain. When we landed, the weather was miserable. Drizzling clouds and dense fog. The sight was so unwelcoming, I almost didn't want to get off the plane. From the airport, I promptly got on the wrong bus heading to Gion instead of Oviedo. This marked the beginning of my non-existent Spanish being tested against a heavy Galician accent. Not necessarily an auspicious start. But the bus drivers were so friendly when we realized my mistake, there was no harm done. Eventually, I made my way to the Oviedo Cathedral where the Primitivo pilgrimage officially starts, but not before getting a coffee for fortification. The elderly proprietor topped off my water bottle. He gave me extra cookies with my café con leche and a kind smile. I'm sure the town is packed with pilgrims from all over the world during the high summer season, but as far as I could tell, I was the only one setting out today. Buen Camino, he said to me as I stepped out into the cobbled streets. I would hear this phrase of goodwill throughout my journey. As I reluctantly left beautiful Oviedo behind, I had trouble locating the start of the route. That made me a little nervous. If I couldn't find the start of the trail, how was I going to make it all 321 kilometers to Santiago? A very kind runner noticed my confusion and showed me the yellow signs I would be following. I had the feeling he'd done this before. 
Once I started walking the trail for real, things started to come together. The day cleared up once the sun rose properly. In fact, throughout my 13-day Camino, it rained a mere 20 minutes. Locals told me this was rather unheard of for late winter. Asturias is known for temperamental weather. In the mornings, a mystical fog hugged the stunning Galician landscape. Once the fog burned off, I hiked under gorgeous bluebird skies. I couldn't help but wonder what exactly I got myself into at first. But after a few uncomfortable days, the weight of my pack became familiar. I never got totally used to it, but that weight became an essential part of my Camino experience. I marveled at how little I needed to live what felt like very full days. The loneliness of the Camino winter was exactly what I needed. For the first week, I was the only person on the route. I enjoyed the luxury of walking at my own pace and not having to worry about making conversation. My brain was free to roam. I was taken aback by the aliveness of February in northern Spain. I had not expected the abundance of ripe oranges and blossoming trees. Cows chewed their cud. Chained dogs barked at the gates of family farms, and sunlight filtered through the magnificent forests. Life here seemed to exist at its own pace, separate from that of the rest of the world. Many people in the outdoor community seem to believe that getting outside and pushing oneself physically is not only the preferred way to spend one's time, but also a kind of self-therapy. I am certainly one of those people. I go on runs to clear my brain. I go climbing in an attempt to achieve some sort of flow state. And when I go on long hikes, the magnificent vistas remind me that my problems aren't that big. Besides, moving your body just feels good. I had always relied on these activities to ground me and took for granted the nearly cathartic feelings they provide. And here I was once again putting this assumption to the test. But is the process really that simple? The change in scenery and endorphins undoubtedly make me feel better. But is there something deeper at work? Does the natural world really reorient my perspective? I thought about tales of individuals going on backpacking trips around the world to the most stunning locations, only to return largely unchanged. What if that happened to me? What if I went home at the end of this trip and nothing had changed? Hey, it's Willow. We'll hear what happened to Casey in a moment. But first, I remember this time several years ago when I was dating someone who lived in a van, and he needed help with his electrical system. So he reached out to his friends on social media and asked whether anyone had electrical expertise. Someone responded and asked if he needed help with the electrical system in a vehicle or a house. And I remember this boyfriend not knowing how to answer that question. I mean, his vehicle was his house. At the time, finding someone who had the expertise to help him wire a house on wheels was kind of tough. Luckily, it doesn't have to be that hard. At least not anymore. If you're thinking of outfitting a van or RV with solar panels and you feel daunted, check out Renegy.com. Renegy is our sponsor for this episode. They're a renewable energy company, and they make solar products for vans, RVs, and more. 
Renogy has online calculators to help you find the solar installation that's right for you. They have tutorials on how to wire your camper or van. And they have blog posts about how to do it all without breaking the bank. If you still have questions after all that, their support team is there to help. For 10% off your order at Renogy.com, enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's R-E-N-O-G-Y dot com, promo code OUTTHERE. And now, back to Casey's story. As I walked past small villages, my mental to-do list dwindled down to three simple things. Walk, eat, and sleep. Such a far cry from a flurry of distractions that life seems to be cluttered with. I drank from ancient water fountains, stopped to rest when I wanted to, and found immense satisfaction in reaching my daily destinations. In the evenings, I ate dinner at local village bars, sometimes the only one for miles. The Camino is unique in how pilgrims don't have to camp. Instead, you stay at these hostels called albergues. I managed to find accommodations every night, which had been one of the things I was most worried about given the off-season. For the first week, I was only pilgrim in the albergue each night. As a child, I used to be scared of the dark to the point of incapacity. And here I was, sleeping alone in rooms of 10 to 35 empty bunk beds. It was nerve-wracking, but I managed to make it through each night, feeling rested by morning. A few days' walk from Santiago de la Compostela, the Primitivo converged with a few other Camino routes. For the first time, I wasn't the only hiker on the trail. I entered that ancient, sacred city with a group of new friends. They were all pilgrims themselves. While we all had different stories and starting points, we experienced a collective satisfaction upon reaching Santiago. That night, we shared a fantastic feast to mark the end of this particular journey and our new companionship. No one was too sad about parting ways the next day. That's another thing the Camino teaches you, how to not hold on to things or experiences too tightly. You spend just one night in each village before heading onwards the next morning. And the people you meet, you'll probably never see again. In the end, the Camino did exactly what I hoped it would. It gave me the energy to go back to real life. By the end of the hike, I no longer felt trapped, nor did I feel adrift. The fact that everything worked out so smoothly on my journey seemed to be a sign that I was going in the right direction in life. I felt like I was making the decisions meant for me. The routine of adventure came back, too, feeling like it had never left, and with it, a familiar sense of self-reliance. Walking to Santiago made me once again solely independent. I was in charge of all my decisions and couldn't look to someone else for feedback. I finally saw how I had been relying on my partner as a crutch, even though I generally pride myself on self-sufficiency. Now I realize I had long grown out of that relationship. I realize I'm fully capable of making my own decisions. I get to decide who I want to be and how to move forward in life. All of these realizations were meaningful, but they're also what you'd expect from a long-distance hike. Certainly, they were what I expected.
the real mental shift was more subtle, and it took me a while to figure it out. In the weeks and months after my trip, it finally dawned on me that the Camino hadn't fundamentally changed me. I was the same person at the end of the journey as I had been at the start. I had always had an adventurous spirit, and I had always had the tools I needed to navigate my life. Those parts of me, the joyful and easygoing aspects of my personality, they had never left. They were just layered down deep within me, covered by stress, anxiety, and sadness. I had hoped that a mild form of escapism, getting away from it all, would help. It did, but it has also become clear that I don't have to go on a thru-hike just to give myself time to emotionally process and make level-headed decisions. I have what it takes to deal with my problems, wherever I am and whatever I'm doing. I am learning that with experience, awareness, and some mental training, it can be possible to achieve the restorative feelings that I craved, even without nature. That clarity has helped so much in recent months. I was overseas when COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. I found myself unable to fly home to the States and have since been under lockdown in Nairobi, Kenya. I'll likely be here until the end of the year. If the pandemic had hit before I hiked the Camino, I probably would have felt far less capable to take on the adjustments and challenges of our new normal. It's unnerving not to be able to go home. It can make you feel small and deeply ungrounded. I'm not going to lie. Even with the clarity I gained on the Camino, it's taken me some time to come to terms with things. But I keep reminding myself that I have the tools to thrive. I may not be able to plan my life out step by step, and I may not be able to escape to nature or bask in absolute solitude when I'm feeling low, but I can deal with whatever life throws my way. I had lived in Kenya before, back in 2018. Since being back, I've reconnected with my community and taken up new photojournalism gigs. I'm forgoing ecology grad school for now, but I know it will be there for me when I'm ready. I'm finally learning to respect what I have to bring to the table and not be overwhelmed by the unknown. It occurs to me that journeys like my Camino hike have their own kind of magic. They provide us with not just what we seek, but perhaps more importantly, what we actually need. What I sought was adventure and a sense of purpose. What I got was an understanding that I've always had what I was looking for. That was Casey Cheng. She's an ecologist and photojournalist who grew up in New Hampshire and currently splits her time between Nairobi and the Arctic. To see some of her photography work, head over to our website, outtherepodcast.com. We have a link to her portfolio there. Special thanks to Aja Simpson for sound design work and production assistance on this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has written a review of Out There on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 
Leaving reviews is so important for helping new listeners find us. It's a great way to support the show without spending any money. Here's what an Apple Podcasts listener named Jess Nelson had to say about the stories on Out There. Quote, Some are heartwarming, inspiring, and make me want to go conquer the world. And others make me want to call, hug, and love all of the people in my life immediately. If you love engaging storytelling, it is a must-listen. End quote. Thank you so much for the kind words. If you want to get in on the fun, you can write your own review of Out There wherever you listen to this podcast. We might read your comments on the show. Thank you also to everyone who supports Out There with financial contributions, including Frank Hedersheet, Mike Lutters, Deb and Vince Garcia, and Doug Frick. I am constantly humbled by the generosity of listeners like you. If you're not yet an Out There patron, but you're interested in becoming one or learning more about it, head to our website, outtherepodcast.com, and click support. Or you can find us on Venmo at outthere-podcast. This episode is sponsored by Renogy, providing affordable solar energy solutions for your home, business, van, or RV. Renogy prides itself on supplying the best solar products on the market today. Their products are rated as extremely efficient, and they're sold at the lowest price point possible. If you're unsure of your solar needs, head over to their website, renogy.com. You'll find wiring diagrams, an online solar calculator, and lots of blog posts to help you put together your system. And if you need additional help, their team is there for you. For 10% off your entire order, go to renogy.com and enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's R-E-N-O-G-Y dot com, promo code out there. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Sheba Joseph is our audience growth director. Our interns are Kara Schaefer, Aja Simpson, and Natalia Luderman. Our ambassadors are Stacia Bennett, Ashley White, and Tiffany Duong. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. Have a beautiful day, and we'll see you in two weeks.